So welcome, 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 everyone. Super glad to have you here. Um, this is a class that uh, I'm really passionate about. I mean, passionate to the point that I've actually already have gone into, you know, some training. Uh, over this last year, my wife and I found a wonderful school that we were both uh, trained as master certified health coaches. And in um, October, we're looking to take our boards so that we can become board certified uh, health and wellness coaches. And, and I love the subject of health. You know, I have a mother who died from cancer. I have a father who died from complications with diabetes and hypertension. Uh, I'm, you know, in two months, I'll be 50 years old. And I was told that, you know, based on the statistics that I'm supposed to more than likely get one of these diseases, especially in the black community, which thank God thus far has not been the case. And, you know, I'm just very grateful that we are part of a movement serving a God who cares about the total person. You know, it's like I've been Pentecostal and I have been Baptist and I've been Muslim. And in all of these religious walks in my life, I have never seen any religious expression that looks at the whole person. And the more that I look at the ministry and life of Jesus, I always see this thought, you know, that we may be made whole. And so from this, it has just been a privilege that, you know, over 20 plus years ago, I got training in medical missionary work. And I've had the privilege of working with many of our institutes, almost all of our major institutes in the United States of America, uh, some of them across the sea. And, uh, you know, it's been a real privilege to work with these organizations and to endorse you know, medical missionary work and, and be an advocate for it. And we need a lot more of this. Um, we are really past the days of just preaching. You know, it was never God's plan. It was never, ever God's plan for us to just go around preaching all the time and teaching all the time. But God gave us a ministry of preaching, teaching and healing. That is actually the name of our ministry. You know, while I am a pastor at a, ch- at a small little church out there in Sacramento, you know, I'm also still the director of PTH Ministries, a Bible-based ministry of preaching, teaching, and healing. And uh, it's something that I'm just very grateful to share with you all. So I'm going to have a word of prayer, and we're going to jump into the Word, because we have a lot to cover. And my hope and prayer is that we're going to see even more activity forwarding medical missionary work than what we're presently seeing. So let's go ahead and let's have a word of prayer, and let's get ourselves started. Our loving Father, we are very grateful for the opportunity for all of us to be together at this time to study your wonderful words of life. And we know that you have much to share with us, Lord, so please give us ears to hear what your spirit wants to say to us, your church. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. We hear the term medical missionary work a lot, and I think that to some degree or another, it needs some type of explanation. When we talk about what is a medical missionary and its work, what, what is a medical missionary and then what is its work? If we are looking at it from the standpoint of the secular interpretation of medical missionary work, here's what they would tell us. What they would say, it's, it's a healthcare professional. Now, don't miss that. It would say it's a healthcare professional, physician, nurse, EMT, dentist, pre-med student, or more, who would go on missionary trips with durations lasting from one week to one year or more worldwide. That would be the secular explanation of what a medical missionary is. Bottom line, a health care professional. And then they're doing 
mission work. Now, the problem with this is that is not what the Bible teaches. So let's grab our Bibles and let's go to the book of Luke chapter 9. I want us to go to Luke 9 and we're just going to let the Bible speak. And I want us to watch what the Bible says. Very interesting. In Luke, the ninth chapter, let's go ahead and consider what the text says. Now, I've realized that like Israel of old, one of the problems that God's people are going to run into in the last days is we're not going to believe the word. That was Israel's problem. That's why they didn't enter into Canaan, right? They did not enter in because of unbelief. In like manner, we unfortunately are running into this problem today, even amongst God's um, professed people. And so it is that let's look at the plain language of Luke 9. And then I'm just going to ask you, do you believe this? In Luke 9, starting at verse 1, if you're there, please say amen. Amen. In Luke 9 and verse 1, it says, then he called his how many? Don't lose that number. Because the 70 did not come yet. So this constitutes all of his disciples. Would we agree? This is all of them. Because first was the 12, then came the 70, and then it got bigger and bigger. But here it is, it's just the 12. But that constituted all of his disciples. Now watch this. Then he called his 12 disciples together, and he gave them something. What did he give them? He gave them power and authority over how many? All devils. And to cure diseases. Are you following that? Then it says in verse 2, And he sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to do what else? Heal the sick. Now, that Luke 9 statement parallels with Matthew chapter 10. So now let's go to Matthew 10 and let's watch the text here. Now Matthew is going to say something that's very bold. And it kind of, again, can challenge even the believer. In Matthew, the 10th chapter, we're now going to consider verse 1. In Matthew chapter 10 and verse 1, let's now see what the Bible says here. It says, And when he had called unto him his twelve disciples, he gave them power against unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal how much? All manner of sickness and all manner of disease. So here's the simple question. Do you believe these verses? Now, let me explain these verses. How many disciples was given this power? It was all of them. Did he have any more disciples at this time? No. So this is all of them. Now, here's the next question. Of all these disciples that he gave power to, how many of them were healthcare professionals? Mixed multitudes. Some said none. Some said one. Well, this is true. (laughs) In a certain sense, it's true, right? But the truth of the matter is none of the disciples were health care professionals, as the term is normally used. None of them were known, trained, practiced medicine in any shape, form or size. But yet, the Bible is making it very clear, God gave them power. And they had enough power to cure, not treat, cure all diseases. And there's a lot of God's people that do not believe and will not accept what these verses are saying. And this is one of the problems that we're having in such a time as this in Earth's history. 
God wants to make it clear that he is the great physician and he has enough power to endow to the heart that is willing the ability to know how to overcome sickness and disease. Completely overcome it. I am privileged to be a board member as well as an instructor for an organization called Meet Ministry. M-E-E-T. It stands for Missionary Education Evangelism Training. It's been in existence for well over 30 years. And there are individuals who have come to meet ministry that were literally legally blind. And today they see. There were individuals who came there with AIDS and are completely cured. There are individuals who have gone there with stage four cancers of many kind, including the wicked, horrible pancreatic cancer. And here they are 15 years later, still alive, healthy and no cancer. I am also privileged to be an instructor for another organization called Eden Valley. Eden Valley is one of our most popular institutes, especially for cancer patients. And when individuals come to Eden Valley with all sorts of cancers, they leave and by the grace of God, they have been cured, they have been healed. And in many respects, the practitioners that are helping the individuals are anointed and are servants of God but they may not indeed be a medical professional. God can use anybody. God can use anyone. They have medical professionals that assist them with different efforts at these, at these organizations. But I'm here to simply say that the Bible is very, very clear and the Bible respectfully disagrees with this secular interpretation of a medical missionary. A medical missionary does not have to be a medical professional. Luke came later. So all 12 disciples were literally non-medical professionals. And for me, that's good news because when I look at COVID, when I look at everything that has happened over these past couple of years and how many individuals have died, etc., my brothers and sisters, there's a lot more that could have been done. If God's people were just in the right place, in the right state of mind, there's a whole lot more lives that could have been saved. And I believe that a lot of those lives that have demise, I think that God wants his church to take a personal assessment to say, Lord, what role did I play or potentially fail in that I could have been your instrument in your hands to help these people when there wasn't anything to help them? And so it is that we are living in a time where God really wants to forward gospel medical missionary evangelism. So now let's look at medical missionaries from the inspired context. Let's take a look. When we look at the word or the term medical missionary from inspiration, we now have the book Evangelism, page 547. And here's what it says. It says, the work of the gospel ministry is not to decrease in efficiency, but is to increase until it becomes the great enlightening agency in our world. Everything possible. Watch this. We're getting close to defining medical missionary. Everything possible should be done to send more laborers into the field. No influence should be exerted to young men to turn young men aside from qualifying themselves for ministerial missionary work. So notice we have some young men who are being qualified for ministerial missionary work. Next paragraph. To this, we may attach the word what? Medical. For it is essential that no, now what? Give me another word for essential. Crucial, critical, necessary, vital, very important. Watch this. 
To this we may attach the word medical, for it is essential that the gospel minister shall have a knowledge of disease and its causes. Would to God that every pastor were trained with this knowledge. Can you, can you just, just, I mean, it's sad because this, is, this will only reside in our imagination. But could you imagine if every pastor in our movement was a medical missionary? Could you imagine if every Bible worker in our movement was a medical missionary? Can you imagine if every canvasser in our movement were medical missionaries? They all had a knowledge of disease and its causes. How much more effective we would be? True story. I remember I held a gospel medical missionary training in, uh, I think it was Texas. And when I was holding that training in Texas, one of the men there, very, very much on fire for the Lord. You know, he just loved the word of God. He loved Jesus and he wanted to learn. So he was very good at Bible work, but he knew nothing about the body, how to take care of it, etc. So he came to the training. We did the training. And when we did that training, my dear brother was so excited for what he learned that immediately he began to take it with him as he went to the field. So several months later, I was doing a health evangelism series in Alabama. You think that's a good place to do it? Oh, yeah, because, you know, the South is suffering. They don't they don't they're not very healthy in many parts of the South. So this was a good place to do a health evangelistic outreach. So as I'm getting ready to do it, we sent the Bible workers ahead of us. That young man was one of the people that we trained. Do you know he knocked on the door? Knocked on the door and the person was like, yes. And then he was just like, hi, my name is such and such. And he kind of goes into his you know, canvas to invite them to the meeting. But you could clearly see this person is terribly sick. I mean, he's stuffed up and everything. He's like, I'm sorry, but I could barely even breathe. You know, so he's in bad shape. So the young man says, wow. He says, you look, you look pretty sick. You're not feeling too good, huh? And the guy was like, yeah, I'm not really feeling too good. Um, I got a really bad flu. And then he said, what are you doing about it? He says, I don't know. My mom told me chicken soup and water. You know, because again, they don't know a whole lot of things. He said, if I knew something that could help you and it was all just basically food, would you want to know about it? The guy was like, I'd do anything. (laughs) And so he was like, "Okay, there's something called nature's penicillin. That was one of the things that we taught him is how to make nature's penicillin. And so he said, there's something called nature's penicillin. It works very well to build up your immunity, et cetera. People who typically take it can get well in anywhere from two to four days, as long as there's no other complications. The ingredients are grapefruit, this, this. And he just walked down the list of the, of the, of the ingredients. If you want, at the end of the class, I can put up the nature's and penicillin recipe for you all. And the guy was like, I'll try anything. So he said, okay, I'm going to go to the store and I'll get it for you. He goes to the store, gets the stuff, brings it back. He brings it back and he says, we're going to need to blend this. The guy says, come inside. So he allows him to come in his house. So he's inside. He's making the nature's penicillin for this gentleman. He makes it. He says, "Okay, take one cup per day and you just do it in tablespoons. But you got to complete at least one cup a day. So the guy was like, I'll do it. Do you know he came back two days later? Knock, 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 knock. The guy opens the door. Hey, how you doing? And he's like, wow, you look great. He says, man, I feel great. What was that stuff? And, you know, so they start talking about it. Long story short, 
He says, now, now, you came to my house. What was it you wanted to tell me about? And he said, the guy who taught me how to make the nature's penicillin is coming in the area to do this, do this meeting. It's health evangelism, man. We're going to see the gospel and health come together like you've never seen it before. That guy says, I'm there. He came to the meeting, met the brother, did Bible studies with him, and he got baptized. That came from a gospel worker who knew more than 28 fundamental beliefs. I'm not here to put down our 28 fundamental beliefs. It's fundamental, so we need it. But we need to know how can I use something in the context of a right arm that is an entering wedge that allows me to get in. And that's exactly what he did. And God wants us to know as much as we can know because there's a connection between medical missionary work and especially this wonderful farm and garden and all these things that we're doing in the context of country living. And, of course, agriculture. You see, it was Jesus who did a lot of healing in the Bible. A lot of healing. Whether it be the leper in Galilee, whether it be the Roman centurion, with, uh, who was par- with his paralyzed servant, the man with the withered hand, the deaf man with the speech impediment. It didn't matter what it was. What we find very, very clearly as we just search the scriptures is we keep looking and then we get amazed by all of this. We say, wow, look at how much healing the Lord did. And God says, oh, you're impressed with that? God says, how about this? Even more. And again, you're going through more verses in the Bible and you're seeing more accounts of Jesus. And what is Jesus doing? Healing. He's doing even more healing. And then Jesus says, so you're impressed with this? We say, yes, Lord, this is very impressive. And Jesus says, well, there's even more. The point is very simple. Any student of the Bible, anyone who's carefully monitoring the ministry of Jesus Christ cannot help but to come to the same conclusion. And the conclusion is very simple. The Lord Jesus is our example. He came to the world as a servant of mankind. He went from city to city, from village to village, teaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing the sick. And the closing sentence, Christ spent more time in healing than in teaching. This is the ministry that should be mimicked today. This is what the world needs to see. Yes, I understand. We have deep present truth and we have things that we have to share with the world that the world needs to know that they may have a totality of preparation to meet their God. I get it. But we have to find out how to meet them where they're at. And there is nothing like the language of medical missionary work to reach the hearts, especially in this time. This is our time. This is like literally our time because there's nothing that's going to reach the people like gospel medical missionary evangelism. This is what we're told. As our example, Christ linked closely together the work of healing and teaching. And in this our day, they should not be separated. Whenever you see medical missionary work and the gospel ministry separated, always remember an enemy hath done this. Just remember that. As our example, Christ linked closely together the work of healing and teaching. In this our day, they should not be separated. In our schools and sanitariums, Nurses should be trained to go out as medical missionary evangelists. They should unite the teaching of the gospel of Christ with the work of healing. Now, please just notice the wording here. Nurses should be trained, meaning they don't know it. Are you following that? 
Are they nurses? But do they need training? And the training they need is in medical missionary work. So stop giving people positions in health and temperance just because they're a nurse. Did you get that? Don't get that. Yeah, it's like what God wants is he wants us to understand. Now, don't get me wrong. If you read the book Ministry of Healing, my favorite book next to the Bible. Seriously, I cannot get enough of that book Ministry of Healing. Ministry of Healing, my Bible and Ministry of Healing goes everywhere with me. And we're told in volume nine of the Testimonies to the Church, page 71, that the wisdom of the great physician is in the book Ministry of Healing. So when you read Ministry of Healing, you're literally learning the mind of Christ. And that's why I encourage you all read the whole book, Ministry of Healing. It's way more than just a health book. But what God is trying to say is that, listen, the nurses, God says it in Ministry of Healing, the nurses who understand medical missionary work will be more mightily used than the layperson. The physician who understands medical missionary work will be more mightily used than the layperson. So if ever there was a group we should recruit, you see all these physicians and nurses who lost their jobs over COVID? You see how so many of them say, I refuse to get vaccinated and I refuse to get this, that and the other because I think it's wrong to force people. And I agree with that. I'm sorry. If you get vaccinated, that's your business. If you don't get vaccinated, that's your business. But to force it on people the way this wicked effort was made. Threatening businesses with 1400. That that was of the devil. I was so glad when that thing was shut down. I was thankful. I said, thank you, Lord, for shutting that down. That was a horrible, horrible move. And that hurt a lot of people. That hurt a lot of businesses. It's getting way too carried away and somebody got to speak up about it. The point is, is very simple, is that whether you get vaccinated or not, that's not the issue. What what really is important is to understand that a lot of those physicians lost their jobs on principle. They should have been the people we recruited. Just think about that. We would have said, you see how you took that stand, sir, for 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 principle and what was right for the people, et cetera. You believe that there are other ways, whether it's natural immunity. You know what? A lot of those points, we agree with that, too. We have institutes called Wildwood, UG Pines, Meat Ministry, Eden Valley, et cetera. We have organizations that go even deeper on these things. Let me tell you about it. Do you know their minds are more open to hear it now? Their minds are more open to hear it now. We've never heard physicians and nurses and so many people talk about natural immunity. You know, what the body can do because of the way it was made, et cetera. We, we, Proverbs 11 and verse 30, he who wins souls is wise. True story. Somebody said, hey, Dwayne, when's your birthday? I said, my birthday's March 22nd. They said, oh, you're an Aries. I was like, nah, I'm not an Aries. And they was like, no, 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 you're an Aries. March 22, right? I was like, yeah, March 22. It's like, not nah, you're an Aries. I was like, no, I'm not an Aries. And they said, well, then if you're not an Aries, then what's your sign? And I was like, Sabbatarian. <laughs> and they were like, Sabbatarian? And they was like, Capricorn, Libra. You know, they're going around looking for the sa-. I said, oh, no, you're not going to find it in the Zodiac, but you'll find it in Ezekiel 20 and verse 20. The Bible says that the Sabbath is a sign between God and his people. That's my sign. What's your sign? So what did I do? I took the foolishness of the world and I turned it into an opportunity to witness. 
he who wins souls is wise. It's the same thing. Take the foolishness of the world. Some of these people refuse to get inoculated because of all of their political, alt, right, left, whatever position they did or why they did it. Whatever. The bottom line is they're in a frame of thinking that we can take advantage of it for the sake of the gospel. So that's what we should be doing with it. We can get more nurses and physicians on God's page right now than ever before. Well, let's continue with this. All of that comes from uh, Gospel Herald, May 1st, 1908. That's the reference for what we just read. Gospel Herald, May 1st, 1908. Now, let's, let's, let's continue to build on this. I want to show you something. If there's one thing I love to teach about when I do a Bible study class, and uh, one thing I love to study is something called typology. Okay? Typology is very huge because antitypes have antitypes. So there's a type in the Bible where it talks about the early rain, okay? There's a lesson from the early rain because as God worked in the type, early rain, he's going to work in the anti-type, latter rain. There is something that I want us to see about the early rain. Let's notice this. There was a manifestation of early rain power. When the people of God received the early rain, there was a manifestation of that. And I want us to see what it was. I am going to, for time's sake, I want you to do what you keep doing. You take the pictures. But for time's sake, I'm just going to kind of talk about what these verses are talking about because there's some other points of meat that I want to uh, present to us. In Acts chapter 3, 6 through 8, verse 12, 13, and 19, it's all about the story of the man at the gate beautiful. The man who was at the gate beautiful and he was crying out, alms to the poor, alms to the poor. And as he did that, eventually he came in contact with Peter and John. When Peter and John, and, you know, especially Peter, and he looked at him, he said, look, you know, I don't have any money. But he says, but silver and gold have we not, but such as I have give I unto thee. In the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. After the man was healed, the Bible says many people believed in the gospel. So what's the point? Medical missionary work paved the way for the proclamation of the truth. That was done under early reign power. The next one is Acts chapter 9, 33 to 35. Um, Forgive me for that. Let's see, get back there. In Acts chapter 9, Peter heals a man. After Peter heals the man, many people end up receiving the gospel. So Peter heals a man, and many are turned to the Lord. You see that once again. And the last one is right here in Acts 5, 12 through 16. In Acts 5, we got people being healed by Peter's shadow. I mean, this, this, this is a pretty deep story. I mean, I'd love for my shadow to provide healing. I'd love to be endowed with that much power. But after that healing took place, again, as a result of the healing work of the disciples, many others came to receive help and hear the gospel. Once the early rain began to pour on the people of God, we see medical missionary work leading the way out people being healed, and from them being healed, individuals now are ready to hear, to know, and to understand the gospel. This happened under early rain power. This is going to happen under latter rain power. How do we know? Because inspiration is very clear. In General Conference Bulletin, April 12, 1901, I wish to tell you that soon there will be how much work? No work done in ministerial lines, but medical missionary work. 
So if we don't embrace medical missionary work at such a time as this, and this message especially needs to go out to pastors, it needs to go out to all of our different conference leadership, it needs to go out to all the Bible workers and the canvassers and all of these people that make up God's last day team. We need to unite on God's program. And God is making it very clear what his program is. I want my people to embrace gospel medical missionary work. And this is why it is so late when we still see God's people eating meat and, and, and indulging in all of these destructive food items and destructive way of lifestyle. It's like, folks, it's too late. I mean, the world is ahead of us. The, what, you know, Caldwell Esselstyn, T. Colin Campbell, John McDougal, Dean Ornish. I mean, so many names, right? We have so many people that have become famous that have become rich and all they're doing is teaching what God already told us. They're just teaching what God gave us well over a hundred years ago when the rest of the scientific world was still trying to figure it out. And this is what the Lord is trying to say to each of us is we, we have a prophet in Israel. We are privileged to study the word of God. Family, we got spiritual bifocals. We have the Bible as a lens, and then we got the inspired writings of God's servant. We got two lenses we can read through to clearly understand all the truth we need to know. We should be the head and not the tail. This is what God is trying to say. And not only did he give it to us individually, he gave it to us organizationally. Because on December 25, Christmas Day, God gave a gift to this movement. Y'all know what that gift is, right? December 25, 1865. Anybody knows what the gift is that God gave to our movement? Not the health message. Health message came in as early as 1863. Very good. It was sanitarium work. It was on December 25, 1865 that God gave the vision to the servant of the Lord as it related to sanitarium work. And that sanitarium, when you think of a sanitarium, believe it or not, this is a very good picture of what a sanitarium was supposed to look like. Voila. Sanitariums, we were told in inspiration, were supposed to be home-like structures. Home-like structures. How many of you have ever heard of the term outpost center? Okay, outpost, right? Do you know, if you read inspiration carefully, do you know most times that the word outpost was used, it was referring to our country homes? It wasn't even referring to organizations, you know, multiple employees and all this other stuff like yours and my home was supposed to be little country outposts. That, that's the way God looked at it in his mind. And when we set up sanitariums, they were supposed to be home like structures. Very simple. And rather than building a big building that could hold 50 and 100 health guests, it was supposed to be little home-like structures saturated all throughout the land. It's the same thing like churches, right? Rather than having a big, gigantic church that holds all these multi-thousand people, we were supposed to have little churches spread throughout the land. It's the same thing with sanitariums, except for the fact that sanitariums are in the country, churches are to be in the city. That was heaven's instruction, all right? By the way, bonus, do any of you know one of, one of heaven's number one way of supporting the sanitarium work? Nope, it was not agriculture. Say again. Coal portering is correct. Now watch this. Coal portering, selling the books. Do you know what book 
I mean, when, when God is specific, we should follow his specificity. What book? Excellent. Excellent. Christ object lessons. Do you know that? No, no, no. Sorry. Christ object lessons supports the school. Ministry of healing was supposed to support the sanitariums. Ministry of healing. This was heaven's appointment. Christ object lessons supports our schools. Ministry of healing supports our sanitariums. God had the whole thing laid out. If we followed his blueprint, brothers and sisters, you'd be amazed at how much further along we would be. Now watch this. Let's break down the sanitarium. In the preparation of a people for the Lord's second coming, a great work is to be accomplished through the promulgation of health principles. The people are to be instructed in regard to the needs of the physical organism and the value of healthful living as taught in the scriptures. So sanitarians were supposed to be very Bible based. We were supposed to teach the people healthy lifestyle in harmony with the scriptures. This is what's done at a sanitarium. It then says that the bodies which God has created may be presented to him a living sacrifice fitted to render him acceptable service. There is a great work to be done for suffering humanity in relieving their sufferings by the use of the natural agencies that God has provided. And in teaching them how to prevent sickness by the regulation of the appetites and passions. So literally God had a whole layout of how he wanted it done. Now, all of this is coming from Councils on Health 206 and Councils of Health 207. It says the people should be taught This is what they were to learn at the sanitarium. They were to be taught that transgression of the laws of nature is transgression of the law of God. What is another term that we use for transgression of the law of God? Sin. So when we transgress the laws of nature, it is a? Do you believe that? Listen carefully. Think. Move slow. Don't answer too quick. Are you truly convicted that violation of the laws of nature is sin because if you really believe that and if I really believe that my lifestyle should indicate that isn't that right right so that's why I'm saying God is challenging us he wants us to not know the words he wants us to believe his words okay all right now let's continue they should be taught the truth in physical as well as in spiritual lines that the fear of the Lord tends to life if thou wilt enter into life Christ says keep the commandments Live out my law as the apple of thine eye. God's commandments obeyed are life unto those that find them and health to all their flesh. Our sanitariums are an educating power to teach the people in these lines. So it's in our sanitariums that God says we are not going to use drug medication. That's not going to be our method. We're going to use simple natural remedies and lifestyle. And this is the context of what we're about to get into in these few moments. The Seventh-day Adventist church has never been, I've never read this, and I believe I speak with authority on what I'm about to say. The Seventh-day Adventist church, as an organized body of believers, has never been anti-drug. We have never been an anti-drug medication organization. I don't read that. I have slides that I can show you where Ellen White herself advocated the taking of drugs under different circumstances. So we have never been. That's why all these fanatical people that's like, nope, it's a drug. It's evil. It's the, that's fanaticism. Hear me good. I know some medical missionaries got some stones with my name written on it. 
But I don't fear those people. We have to teach the truth. There is nothing in the Seventh-day Adventist church that says that we are an anti-drug medication movement. I'd never read that. And we got a bunch of people that died because they believed that we were an anti-drug medication movement and would not take drug medication even under the most dire circumstances. They died an untimely death. There are times and places and cases where drug medication may be very appropriate. I had to have open heart surgery. I'm not going to let nobody sprinkle no herb on my chest. It's like I needed heart surgery. And it's like they, they had to open it up. They had to give me certain medications to take me through that whole process. But when I got better, you better believe I did a little detox. You understand? I did a little cleansing. So I had to make sure that none of that stuff that's in me stays in me and messes with me. So there's a way we can approach it. But we are not an anti-drug medication movement. Here is what the Seventh-day Adventist Church, through our writings, consistently has represented. If there is sickness and disease, when we get to the remedy portion, the first step is lifestyle. The second step are simple natural remedies. In the event that these two things are not accomplishing the goal, then the third step is we can consider judicious use of pharmaceuticals. If we would approach disease in this context, can lifestyle address it? Can simple natural remedies help it? If these two are not working, then we should go ahead and prayerfully consider the surgical procedure or the drug medication. Man, if we did that, we'd see a lot more lives spared because fanaticism runs rampant through the land. And so what God is trying to say is, this is the balance. This is the balance. Now watch. Even with coronavirus, check it out. When, when this happened, when this happened, God had a plan. I'll be honest with you. When this thing hit in, 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 in February of 2020, I remember I was in March and I was doing a training at Meat Ministry. So coronavirus was already here. And coronavirus was starting to do its havoc, wreaking its havoc. And and I remember being there and I was like, oh, boy, we got to deal with this. And I didn't even know if I was going to be able to fly home because already it was affecting the airports and stuff. And I admit it caught me very much off guard. I mean, I wasn't like ready for coronavirus. And so I'm just kind of like, oh, man, I don't know what we're dealing with. But I was trusting God. I said, Lord, I believe you'll be with me through this and et cetera. So here it is that we fly home and. Uh, Man, all of a sudden you heard about lockdowns and everything. And it's like everything moves so fast. And God, God wanted us to pay attention to all of that. But I remember doing my research and I was like, well, wait a minute. I said, I've had these slides for years. I've been teaching this for years. Look at what I've been teaching for years. Past flu pandemics. I've been, I've been teaching these slides for the past, it's got to be about eight years. Did you know we had that flu pandemic, which was known as the Spanish flu, right? H1N1. Uh, it killed like 40 to 50 million people worldwide. It did a lot more damage than coronavirus. And it did 675,000 minimum. Some say it was more in the U.S. Then you had 1957, the Asian flu, which had the one killed one to four million people worldwide and then killed 70,000 in the U.S. And then you had the 1968 Hong Kong flu, one to four million deaths worldwide, 34,000 in the U.S. So hands down, the Spanish flu, as it's called, uh, was definitely the most deadly one that hit America. Of course, they're going to say now coronavirus because, you know, they, their numbers are 800,000. That's what they're telling us. All right. I hope you're catching what I'm saying. So anyhow, 
you know, the point is this. In them saying that, no problem. Dr. Rubel. Dr. Rubel was the secretary of the General Conference of Medical Missionary Work in 1918 and 1919, during the time of the Spanish flu. What they did is they began to look at the effects of hydrotherapy and lifestyle medicine as it related to treating the patients. They used no drug medication. Because remember, our sanitariums were to function without drug medication. So here's what they did. They compared our stats to two other organizations in the U.S., the United States Army and outpatient hospitals. What they realized is, what was the mortality rate in the U.S. Army? The mortality rate was approximately 16%. 16% of the people died with the Spanish flu at the U.S. Army. Then when it came to the outpatient hospitals, they did better. They had about an 8% mortality rate. So 8% of the people died, 92% lived. But when it came to the Seventh-day Adventist sanitariums, 10 of the Seventh-day Adventist sanitariums, let's find out what their mortality rate was. One percent. One percent of the people who came to the Seventh-day Adventist sanitariums died. Ninety-nine percent lived. And you know why that one percent they believe died? Is because they came to the Seventh-day Adventist sanitariums as a last resort. Meaning the disease progressed terribly. Meaning had they addressed it earlier, it probably would be zero percent. So the question is, what was it that gave the sanitarium such a superiority to the medical institutions of the day? What was it that gave this superiority? Well, here's what here's now. Now, here is what Dr. Rubel said. Dr. Rubel said during this epidemic, he noted every Seventh Day Adventist has had 10 times as many opportunities for service as he could fill if he had been ready for them. What a chance for missionary endeavor and for practicing that pure religion and undefiled, which James speaks. In other words, we had a grand opportunity to win souls. Grand opportunity. Then he says this next. He says, some, however, it was like he was reading last year's newspaper. Some, however, have been so fearful of contracting the disease that they have refrained from offering assistance to the distressed. In such experiences as we are passing through, barriers, social and professional, are being broken down. So now what? Let every Seventh-day Adventist become a medical missionary. Can you imagine that? I think if that, if that was being sounded in 1919, this should be sounded in 2022. We should like never before give that push. And there, and there are, there are, there are many people. I dare not try to even act for a moment like I'm the only one. I know that there are other people that are thoroughly convicted on this thing. They really, really believe like, wow, we got to do better. So I join you in lamenting not being as available. I'll be honest with you. I was out there. I was, I did not let COVID stop me. Wherever I could go and have an influence for, for soul salvation, I went. And I went and for the most part, I did just fine. I just got COVID December of last year. Before that, I was good. Alpha, Delta, and everything. And then next thing you know, I ended up getting a fever. 
It was a, lo- a low-grade fever, and I was like, man, you know, low-grade fever, tired. And quite honestly, I say it was my fault because I think I was overworking myself on some things. I was, honestly, I was pushing myself. And so God was allowing me to go through some disciplinary action to help me understand, son, remember, slow down. And so my immunity took a shot, and so I was down for a little bit. But next thing you know, my body came back up, my lovely wife, I was by myself, I had to stay in a hotel. Because I didn't want to get the, I was going to go to meet ministry, but I didn't want to get the other sick. And so I ended up staying in the hotel, and my wife was like, enough is enough. And she jumped on an airplane and came to take care of her husband. Man, I'm telling you, that's, that, that's my lady. And it's like, she helped take care of me and everything, got me back up, and I was good to go. And then I didn't feel 100% for about two weeks or whatever. I was still feeling a little weird. And the next thing you know, I had a, like a cough. And because I had the cough, I got tested, you know, positive. And they said, oh, you got Omicron. I said, feels like a cold, but okay. And I had my Omicron, and now I'm 100% back. Like, I'm good. And all I'm simply saying is, is that the CDC director stated over 75 percent of COVID deaths. This was just stated this year. Over 75 percent of COVID deaths happened with people who had four or more comorbidities. And she says, so they were already kind of going down. Do you know that of 800,000, that's over 608,000? So when, we, you know, all this, all this fear and, and all the healthy have to go through so much. And now they openly and gladly tell us now that 75% of the nation is vaccinated. Now they tell us, well, over 75% of those who died had four comorbidities, which means the remaining had three, two or one comorbidity. And then you had those who had none. In other words, the really healthy people who had no comorbidities makes up the absolute smallest percentage. But yet, lives have been affected and changed probably forever. The point is, brothers and sisters, is that we already had something in place. God gave our movement something. And my hope and my prayer is that we really jump on this. This, this actually comes from a little article. Review and Herald, October 31, 1918. Page 16, W.A. Rubel, it was called After Influenza, what? In other words, what do we do now? After influenza, what do we do next? What were some of the things that they were doing when this took place? Why was sanitarium therapy superior? You know, this is an actual picture of, of people working out in our sanitariums. See all those sisters in them long skirts? And they're getting it in. Battle, Battle Creek, got the little kids in front. And everybody's stretching. Isn't that, isn't that just a lovely picture? Seriously, I love that picture. It's just, you've got the little children. Everybody's there just getting their stretches on and getting it going. And they're like, all right, we're going to go be a blessing to everybody else. I mean, I mean, just to imagine seeing that. That is beautiful. That is just beautiful. And then you got a lady leading out. You see, her, her shirt goes, her blouse goes all the way up to her neck. And she's just there just getting it in. I mean, I was just like, that's all right. And what was it that they were doing? That was so superior. Take a look. Hydrotherapy. Hydrotherapy. This is what you need education in. You need to know how to use that wonderful gift probably you get for free right on your country land from your well. 
learn how to use that water, not merely to hydrate your body, but how to do the contrasts, how to do, if necessary, a fever bath. We need to learn those things because it can potentially save people's lives. Not only that, better diet. Brothers and sisters, when we have the privilege of growing food from our own soil that we get to treat, you're talking about blowing the refractometer off the charts. Isn't that right? I mean, you're able to load your food up with all of the medicinal nutrition that it needs so that we can have and enjoy wonderful health. Better and more regular sleep. Less stress because they were always in country environments. So they were always surrounded by the beautiful scenes of nature, which were very tranquil. I don't know if you ever read the quote where Ellen White says that God chose the color green for the grass and the trees because of the calming effect it has on the mind. If you never read that, look that up. You'll see it. Um, less chilling. This is something that we need to talk more about. Dress reform. Dressing for health. That is a subject we need to talk about more. I can't do it right now. But I will tell you, in our Bible and health evangelism training series, it's about 60 hours of medical missionary training along with Bible work. We have a two and a half hour just on dress reform and a three hour class just on hydrotherapy. And so these are some things that you can see. I haven't had, our, I hadn't had time to get to our table, but if somebody wants to get like a little in-home training, you could definitely go to the table and take a look. I'm sure my wife will be happy to help you. Better environment, because it was in the country. They address the mental, physical, spiritual, and social needs. So in other words, they address the whole person. This is how sanitariums work. And then finally, better medicine, better nursing, more life. This is what was done at the sanitarium. This is how we help people. And as we do this kind of work, brothers and sisters, we can see some incredible changes take place for the honor and glory of God. There's a lot more that I would love to share with you all, but, you know, I want to be obedient to the time. And it is 349. Our class is supposed to stop at 350. So what I'll do is I can hang back. And if you want to ask some questions or anything like that, as far as, you know, more about medical missionary work, it'll be my privilege to share with you all. But God really wants us to covenant with him, whether it be in small or large ways. How can we be instruments in his hands to help move forward? In gospel medical missionary evangelism, it is the last work. And there's a part we all can play. Some of us will work with and for institutions. Some of us might do small little humble work with our homes. Some of us might go ahead and do different things, whatever it may be. Even if you run a practice already, and maybe you want to change some things up about how you run your practice. God has a plan for each and every one of us. My hope and my prayer is that we'll be willing to cooperate with him in his plan. If you're willing to do that, let me hear you say amen. Amen. Praise God. Let's have a word of prayer and then I'll go ahead and let the audio verse thing stop. And then we'll go ahead and talk a little bit if you got some questions or what have you. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for the time in which we were able to spend together. We praise you, dear God, for this call to gospel medical missionary work. It is the last work, Lord. Help us to join on board with thee, I pray. And may you use us in ways that will even blow our minds at the simplicity of the power of the gospel. We ask in Jesus name. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.